Um, yes, let me just... I will just set everything to start, because it takes like a minute to, um, to see everything playing back. Okay, I didn't want to get off on too much of a tangent. <laughs> to start, because it takes like a minute to... Um, Okay, so we are actually that. live right now. There's like a few seconds All right. delay, but yeah, we should be live right now. Okay, I should probably mute the stream then so I don't uh, get the echo going. All right. Seriously, this has been the uh, one hell of a day. <laughs> but like all this stuff that's been going on, man, it's been wild. So I literally just watched the um, the Mister Medical video before we did this because he releases stuff for me at like three a.m. in the morning. I'm like, I could stay up and watch yeah. it, or maybe not. Well, he released it last night at like one in the morning too for oh, me. Right. Or it was super late. It was, you know, I was, I was about to go to bed and I'm like, Oh, he posted it. Awesome. So <laughs> I, I had to watch it. <laughs> so anyway, I should probably introduce myself. My name is iron Liz. Um, probably, uh, know me from the, the channel. Awesome. That guy with the glasses stuff. So for, I had a, probably about a six month window where I was posting content on the site. And uh, I was a production assistant on um, Suburban Nights. And uh, I dated years, two and a half years um, mm -hmm. until I broke up and moved on. So um, that's kind of my background. It's been interesting because I've been looking into a lot of this stuff. And um, just because I'm, I'm a really huge fan of Mr. Mediker, especially after his Gamergate stuff. So, oh yeah, um, yeah, just seeing all the all the stuff that came up with it. So, <laughs> it's it's today is just a, oh, so much to to talk about. So, <laughs> oh man, well, um, uh, my introduction is is a uh, there's a lot less to it. I um, have just been following that guy with the glasses stuff for a while, mostly Spoonie, and then because of that, I got interested in everything else that was going on. And right. um, I just started posting videos and uh, people were interested for some reason. I'm like, okay, this is the kind of stuff that I would see on like a, a TV thread or something. But anyway, that's 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 my background. Were you actually a fan of the site? Did you watch the content? Uh, I liked a few people. Um, I always liked a producer called Cybercat. I don't know if you know her. Um, no, I never. That was beyond me. <laughs> I like Brad, the cinema snob. I've liked him for a long time. Um, yeah, no, he was pretty good. Phelous. I watched some of his stuff, like his Resident Evil stuff. And like it, when I go there, I just watch random people. But um, Spoonie was like my main guy. Uh, the other people were like Spoonie and Brad were like the main two people who I really followed. But I check I check right. out whatever else was on there sometimes. Yeah, no, I stopped kind of following it in 2012, 2013. Right. Um, so I know a lot of things happened since then, but a lot of the retrospective stuff that uh, that's coming up was pretty much in 2012 when. No. Um, yeah, I really remember the whole Twitter thing with Spoonie and uh, Oh my god, yeah. One of the things too is I was in a I was in a tabletop game with him and he kind of 
nuked everything from orbit when that was going on. So he was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to run the tabletop D and D anymore or Pathfinder because, you know, bad things are going down. And so I was like, okay, sure. And that was, you know, I, but at that point in time, I was still interacting a little bit with Linkara. We would occasionally hang out, but um, we had a, we had a mutual friend who actually passed away due to cancer. And, uh, you know, pretty much the, the funeral was, I think in 2013, 2014. And that was kind of the last I've really hung out with him at any capacity. So, you know, I stopped by, uh, well, no, I take that back. I, I was, I stopped by when he was uh, filming his movie because a bunch of people were in town and I got off work and I, I, I haven't really exposed myself to that guy with the glasses in a number of years. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see the retrospectives on all the stuff you missed. So. It, yeah, it's so, it's so weird to see um, because of Mr. Medical stuff, mostly that like there's pro there's so many people who uh, probably never even knew of the site. Cause it's, it's popularity has dwindled in the last few years. So it's just, it's yeah, been, it's which been is... really strange. Well, it's a shame because I think um, when I first started, okay, so I got, I started watching the content back in like 2010, 2009. Oh, yeah. And that was entirely due to the um, AVGN crossover. Mm -hmm. So I know there's talk to say, well, was that, you know, a calculated <laughs> uh, plan on TigWitig to get more exposure? Honestly, I thought, I think it was, um, you know, and, and AVGN played it you know, played along with it. And as a right around the time I graduated from college. So um, I've been exposed to it for a little while in that regard. But mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I my first episode that I watched of Lewis's was, I think, like the cinnamon six or something like that and there was a line in it that made me chuckle which was a, oh it's a bunch of rednecks in the south taking a woman and turning her into a communist and so he said something like oh communism will you take her out for old glory or something <laughs> along those lines i thought it was quite <laughs> I chuckle like okay but yeah <laughs> i don't know if you have spe like a specific structure otherwise i'll just keep babbling <laughs> oh maybe maybe we should just try and do uh stuff in some kind of order it doesn't really matter sure. but um just however it ends up going but you mentioned how you were a production uh assistant on suburban nights so what was that like yeah oh god so okay i can't speak for the previous ones or or the ones after it i will say though that when it came to uh to boldly flee that's the only movie i had to shut off because it was just too it was so preachy and so like oh my god i it was it was so uncomfortable I had to shut it off, but yeah, Suburban Nights, um, I was there, God, that was 2011. And so the filming of this movie was pretty God awful. <laughs> um, so what ended up happening was they, they fly people out for these productions. And so they had people fly in all the way, you know, from Benzai in France to mm -hmm. film brain in the UK. I think he's in Swindon. Um, and then everybody across the, the United States. And so we were based up in Minneapolis and they're in Chicago. So rather than pay to uh, fly Linkara down there, they approached him and said, hey, can you drive? Well, he didn't have a car. And it's, at the time we were living together, I had the vehicle. And so they asked, you know, he asked them, well, hey, can Liz come along and she can help out? 
So I was like, oh, sure, yeah, absolutely. I can be a production assistant. So we drove down to, um, we drove all the way down to Chicago. And it, it, as it started, they were much more like, oh, we got to play things safe and play things by the book. But as mm -hmm. time kind of got on, they just really shifted the rules around a little bit. So for example, they put everybody up in a hotel, right? And it was kind of a not so great hotel. It was right next to a Denny's and right off the highway. And so they had two rental vans, like airport vans that would shuttle people back to the house where they filmed everything. And in that case, they were like, oh, no, Liz, don't use your vehicle because, you know, it's, it's not insured or, or if something happens and it, we'd be liable. But as time kind of went on, they because the weather wasn't cooperating because a lot of it was shot outside. And uh, so they're like, well, Liz, can you uh, can you help us out a little bit because we can't keep driving back? So, wow. <laughs> I mean, as far you know, that's just one example. But like and, and I, sh I should I should preface this here right now is I, I don't hold any malice to any of them. I don't I wish them all the best of luck. I want them to succeed in life and be prosperous and satisfied. And I'm not like accusing them of any sort of crime or malfeasance but you know there was there are some things i thought were a little sketchy at times but anyway for as far as the the shooting went we were two groups right so they had like a one team they would do shoots on during day and the, then the other one i think would stay inside or do other things and so shooting started at a, about six o'clock in the morning so you had to be down in the lobby at 6 a.m and it usually got finished right so it was really like grueling long days. And so the idea was half the people would be shooting, the other half would be resting. Right. So in this case, I was still kind of new and I, I was a little naive, I think. And so I thought, well, hey, I'll just help out both days. And so I was working those days essentially unpaid um, using my vehicle um, during that duration and uh because i at, at the time i was still kind of like well maybe if i if i put myself out there they would they wouldn't mind putting my content on the site because i was still uh, i don't know um so I, I pretty much did that every day for the the week that they were out there except for like the last day when i i went until like four o'clock and i was just too burnt out to continue on so um and yeah they didn't they didn't really cater things either so so, so for example, they're going in the park, right? Well, those right. shots that they morning and uh, they were probably some of the earlier shots. We initially got breakfast at like a Dunkin' Donuts and uh, went into these parks and just would wander around. But it, by the time we, we were done shooting there, it would be four o'clock in the afternoon and nobody had any lunch. I mean, you can't leave the site really because it's... <laughs> So, you know, trying to get food or shuttle lunches was always something of, of a little bit of a tricky bit because they wanted to stay within a budget. So um, we would, Holly and I would usually end up going and getting something, but it was not, I would always kind of, it was always, and again, I'm not accusing anybody of anything, but I tended to not eat. I ate last, <laughs> so to right. speak. So when we so we went to Popeye's chicken and she got like the buckets of chicken and mashed potatoes and whatnot, that was for them, right? So I had to wait. And uh, there was a few times where it's like, yeah, I was hungry. <laughs> yeah, no, it was kind of rough at times, but uh, that that shoot was was something. <laughs>
And like I said, we had to we had to make up time too because I think on they shot the first day and then I thought they lost a day or a half a day because of the rain. Um, so they tried to film as many of the indoor shots as as much as they could get, but a lot of those park wandering shots they had to really stretch out extra time on. Okay. And uh, the the there was the commentary that they did on the first on one of these where they talked and I think you can fi- probably find the footage somewhere where. Everybody was, Doug was thinking, oh no, the weather is going to rain and we're not going to be able to get these shots done. So we're going to switch over to like an internal murder mystery, like a plot or, or a, wow. you know, like a whodunit, you know, they, they just like, okay, we have to switch the, the script around. Oh no, what are we going to do? And everybody kind of like, there's footage of people saying, no, we'll do whatever it takes. We'll work for however, as long as it takes and whatever. So so that's kind of the the base overview. I could keep running my mouth, but <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> that's, that's 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 it's great to know all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I I know that I I. Oh man, I don't know. Okay, so I I I turned off the stream because it was making noise. I don't know if there's any questions at this point, but I mean, I can keep going if you want. <laughs> oh, that's that's cool. I've got I've got chat up. I can see. Um, okay. So, what 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 kind of stuff was going on behind the scenes? You mentioned that was, because I can't. I I did my um, uh, commentary of Suburban Nights like a month ago, and there yeah, was, there was there's all kinds of like insane rumors. But um, can you talk about well, anything anything that uh, you saw about that, or um, what was what was what was it actually like, like behind the scenes of that shoot? Uh... Well, I think one of the, the sketchier things that I saw, and I, I'm, again, I'm not, I'm not accusing anyone of a crime. I don't know the full story. I only saw what I saw, and it was so long ago. But one of the things, I don't know if they had permits to shoot in those parks. Right. Um, some of the uh, conversations I had with Holly, I didn't, made me believe maybe they didn't, but I, I again, I don't know. So it's, it's pure conjecture. The other thing, too, was... Um, so back when they did the uh, Kickassia, for example, right, they filmed and there were a number of like minor injuries just that took place. So I think Nostalgia Critic was dressed up like M. Bison, right? So they had like a metal star or something on his on his hat. And so Brad Jones uh, grabbed his hat or something like that and he ended up slicing open his finger on the, the metal star oh, wow. thing or the metal pin. And so he was bleeding pretty badly. And um, the other thing too is in, uh, for example, when they're running over the fields in the desert there, from what I can hear from, like, from what I was told by Handsome Tom and and a few other folks there when they were running through the field, it sounds like there were, it, the ground was really uneven. It was like there were potholes or, or just sinkholes or just, you know, when you're running, you kind of fall down like in a divot in the ground and so some people i think might have twisted their ankle again i wasn't there so i can't you know it's it's conjecture on my part but one of the things they did have us do on uh the the shoot for suburban nights was they had us sign medical forms or waivers or saying like if we got hurt that they were not liable now i don't think you can do that um, and I don't even know how legal or what else for all. I, I think they have a lawyer. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know. But at the same time, there was um, if you pull up the footage, remember. 
uh, with Malachite and the cloaks kind of go up and he sort of, uh, he kind of stomps on one of them with his foot and uh, like smacks to the side. Well, that original shot, I was cloaked too. So I forget what happened. I think they had some person they were wanting to, to do that with and he had to cancel. And so they're like, hey, Liz, can you do this? Like, sure, I'll be cloaked too. So um, in one of those shots, he kind of stomps his foot downwards and he basically got my knee. And so I crumpled to the ground and, you know, like, oh my God, what happened? And before that time, when they got there, everybody signed them. But I hadn't signed one immediately because, you know, I wasn't working on the, I wasn't part of the, sure. you know, the talent, right? So they didn't have me sign it. So I, I kind of limped back to the, the house and I'm like, oh, just put some ice on it. It's fine. But then they were like, Liz, you need to sign this, this document saying oh, we're not sh- medical. That's really shady. <laughs> I remember that. Um, <laughs> like geez guys thanks a lot but you know i was fine it was just i i got a, a bruise on there that lasted a week and i just iced it and i was fine but yeah it's stuff like that where it's just i don't and again i don't know all the specifics i know when it comes to filming and and film shoots themselves most productions will have um on-site insurance for stuff like that so you can buy you know filming insurance and i i i don't know if they had it but if I had to guess and, and speculate, my guess is they probably didn't. So um, it was stuff like that where it's it's riding the line a little bit. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know how specifically. Okay, well, well let me let me let me say one more thing too. Okay, they they were always about oh well the talent is they're they're contractors right so they're not paid by the hour. You're paid in exposure was one of the the things that they talked about. Right. And uh, so the idea was, oh, well, since you're a contractor, you don't need to follow the same rules necessarily. But I don't believe that's accurate. I don't think you can say, well, you're a contractor. We don't have to give you a 15 minute break or, you know, a lunchtime or something like that. Because, again, when you're filming out in the middle of the woods um, and you don't have transportation and you're kind of just out there, you don't really have a way to go get lunch. You don't have a way to, you know, recharge your batteries a little bit. So. Um, it's like, oh, well, you, if, if that were the case and you didn't have to follow the same rules, if you were a contractor, then why would anybody hire anybody? Right. Yeah. When you can just contract out it's So I, again, I don't know the story. I'm, I'm, it's, it's been five, six years at this point. So who knows? But I, I just remember them being like out there was just So um, I I just saw the uh, Mr. Medical video. What what's your take yeah. on like the whole? What's your take on 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 how he's approaching that? Um, maybe we can get into the the last one. Sure, sure, I'd love to. Um, when it well, so our internet aristocrat or Mr. Medicare, I have a lot of respect for the guy. Um, mm-hmm. he he kind of inspired me with his Gamergate stuff to kind of speak out on what I saw. So, so I'm just going to preface. I want to answer your question, but I want to set it up. Oh, first. I'll go for it. Um, so um, basically I, oh, so in around 2012, 2013, well, no, it was closer to 2014. I think um, I volunteered at a sexual assault helpline. So I, I'm a, I, I'm a post-op male to female transsexual or a tranny. If you want, don't care, whatever. But uh, 
book has a high rate of sexual assault. So I wanted to be a part of the solution for that. I guess you could say I wanted to, mm -hmm. I have, you know, I had, I belonged to a demographic that was, that was overrepresented and I wanted to do my part to, to reduce that in some ways. So I volunteered at a sexual assault helpline. And when I was there, I noticed certain things that I didn't really pick up on until Jim pointed them out. So for example, and, and don't get me wrong, they did really great work. But uh, when we were in training, for example, they had us, um, an example, they had a chair, right? And so they had mm -hmm. one person stand on a chair and then the other person lay down on their belly beneath the chair. And then they said, okay, well describe what you see. And so the, the, the exercise was essentially to point out privilege, right? Ah, so the person standing on the chair was more privileged than the person beneath it. And they could, you know, person had to see. And so I saw, I, I saw things like that and I just sort of rolled my eyes like, okay, whatever. I don't think it's that cut and dry, but, um, but as time went on, you know, I, I started seeing doubts with it because again, they, they, they gave out that one in five women statistic and I believed it because I trusted mm. the, the, the numbers. And so, you know, when, when Mr. Medicare started releasing the Gamergate stuff and saying, well, this is the social justice stuff, I started seeing it and I started thinking, well, wait a minute. You know, the goal here should be to support people regardless of, of their background. And there seems to be like, I remember the director, for example, had a story about how she was talking to her husband about privilege and how he said, like, he got upset by that and said, I don't believe you're, you know, I'm privileged. I'm not mm. out to, to oppress people and I want to support you. You're my wife and I, I provide for my kids. And she was like, well, you know, you still belong to a society of whatever, whatever. And I'm like, wait. It, it, it kind of got inspired me to get off the bench a little bit. And the thing that was really starting to disturb me was the whole, well, I speak for trans people. I speak for GLBT people and, mm -hmm. and everybody's out to get us and everybody's not. And I'm like, no, it's the not your shield thing. Yeah. So it's like, don't, don't use me as this is, as, as this moral grandstanding that you can stand up on. So I felt inspired enough based again, I had these unique backgrounds, especially with channel awesome. And so I felt compelled to go on to Lord cat stream and say, you know what I had, you know, I need to come out and be honest with folks. Cause I was a little bit closeted back then. And I don't think I was quite so honest when I was on that guy with the glasses about my identity. And so I, I said, yeah, this is the way I am. And I support Gamergate and what it's, you know, ethics and journalism and, and not this, this vindictive, I guess, almost, I hate saying the word, but almost communistic attitude of, of placing people into groups and saying, you're the oppressor and this is the oppressed. And, mm. you know, it's, it's stuff like that, that really kind of drove me out of, of the left. So, but anyway, with Mr. Medicare stuff, I, I was, you know, I actually went on his stream with Hidden Terra a couple years ago to talk about trans-related stuff. I think um, I saw that, like, ages and ages ago, yeah. Exactly. I don't know if it's still posted or not, um, but, I feel, like, again, I've, I felt compelled to do my part. If I'm... Uh, fuck, I forget the, the exact phrasing, but it's, like, a person in a time of great moral upheaval who stays neutral. The hottest places in hell are reserved for those who in times of great crisis maintained their neutrality. That's what it was. And so, you know, I, I didn't know all the answers. I didn't know all the situations or whatever. But, you know, the, as I started to realize, most of the vitriol that I was getting was not from people 
coming from the, the folks on the left who demanded I toe the line. And so, you know, it's like, well, it's, it's, I don't know. I was always of the opinion that I want to be convinced, right? I, mm-hmm. if, if I'm doing something wrong and somebody points it out, well, okay, yeah, no, show me how I'm wrong. I, I, the quest for truth, it's, it's intellectual humility. Mm. And if I, you know, I want to be informed, I want to be doing the right thing. And if that's not, you know, it's easy to get caught up in groupthink and it's easy to get caught up in, uh, you know, this, this zealot based ideology where you think you're right and you're so right. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says, cause you're that right. I think that's, you know, reading history and, and, you know, being raised Jewish, it's, it's, it, it always made you aware of stuff like that. And so I was more and more starting to see it. And rather than convince me, people just condemn me on the left saying, Oh, or you're whatever, whatever, whatever. And so on my Twitter, for example, I have it as narrative heretic because I feel like, uh, <laughs> I feel like a heretic, you know, or it's like, I, I disagree with the orthodoxy. So I have to be burnt at the stake a little bit. So, you know, I don't really associate with too many GLBT groups anymore because they have an orthodoxy to them. So, but anyway, I, I've digressed a little bit. So yeah, that's kind of how I started uh, with his stuff. And the, the, the ones, the retrospectives on that guy with the glasses, I think he's more, what I appreciate about Jim is that he's not being a troll. He is yeah. acting more as a journalist. He's saying, this is what happened. These things were stated. These are the examples of the edit evidence and draw your own conclusion in a lot of respects. Sure, he's sarcastic and he can be acerbic, but I think he's giving you a balanced report of what actually took place. Because there's so mm-hmm. many people out there that just want to bring you know anybody in, in the public sphere down a, a, a peg or two. And maybe they're yeah. deserving of it. But seeing... Lewis's stuff laid out and this is what happened. This is what was said. These are the comics that he produced. It was, it was kind of just, Whoa, you know? (laughs) So I, I I think you could take that same information very easily and just turn it into a slam piece and turn it into a, Hey, look at this, you know, but you know, look at this spectacle and I'm going to point my, my finger and laugh, but he was much more, no, it was, he's much more methodical. So I, I, I got to respect that, you know, he's being honest and um, there's a lot that he could have put in there. I mean, I don't know if there's going to be a, I think he said there was going to be a second half and maybe I'll get in there and I'll be mentioned on it. I just hope he, yeah, he, he he's not a, too rough on me, but, <laughs> I think but yeah, it's a whole drama video coming, but um, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know what, I, to be at, at this point, what I, whatever happened in the, in my past happened, you know, and I take responsibility for what I said and do. Mm-hmm. I, I was not tech. I, I didn't feel really grew, uh, grown up by comparison to now. So, you know, you look back for me, it's looking back on this stuff and going, holy crap. Oh my God. Like it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And I can't believe I put it out there. Some of that stuff. Like I had a, so one of the gamers that I used to game with, um, say, uh, so when they, when they purged blip, for example, when they shut blip down, I just let all those videos die. I didn't save them because I was embarrassed by them. I'm like, geez, this look at this stuff. It's so cringy, but you know, I don't feel ashamed or any of it. I just didn't care enough to, to keep it. And so one of the, the people I used to game with saved my iron claw review, which I thought was my best one. And so he posted it on his channel. And so I'm like, okay, let's, let's, you know, I in my head, I saw that as, oh, you know, I did really great work and oh, this is so good. And I, I turn it on. And I'm like, holy shit, I got I was chunky back then. 
kind of, you know, herp de doo, herp derp, you know, it's like, oh, Jew, oh, geez, not oh, Jew, oh, geez, my God, like, settle down here. This is, it's, it's really like, it felt like Radio Disney to me, <laughs> like, you know, it just, okay. And, and some of it was good. And some of it, I could see, you know, the, the shots were, were all right. And I, I brought up some good points, but it's like, man, I've, I've come a long way since that. And, uh, it's, it's kind of funny to, to look at it, but yeah, I, anyway, I, I'm babbling. So <laughs> stop me here. <laughs> I, I thought it was really interesting with Mr. Medical stuff is he was looking at it in the same kind of way I was in that almost that guy with the glasses is, is like this social phenomenon with all these, there is so much, uh, especially with everyone's Twitter feeds and everything. There is so mm -hmm. much politics that's been, uh, kind of ingrained into the culture of the site over the last yeah. five six years and it wasn't there it wasn't there at the beginning like people like spoonie i mean he got kicked out anyway but for stuff mm -hmm. he was saying in the early days he probably would have been called like a misogynist and all these other things just just as like just regular things he would be saying it's i, I right just, it's like yeah they, they drink deep from the cup of social justice i think and i didn't I don't know where it came from. If it was just the audience that did it, I mean, mm. say what you will about Lindsay. She certainly has, you know, her. She has some pretty strong beliefs, and but that was not the main focus of the site. And I remember Linkara, at least when we were first dating, was was more conservative than I was. Mm -hmm. And somewhere along the line, if you uh, he, especially with his Frank Miller stuff, and he's like, oh my god, he can't write women and all this other stuff and it goes on and on and on. It's like, you're right. There was sort of a transformation over time and I'm not really sure where that came from. Mm. I was, I was just wondering if it's just reviewing stuff and yeah. it's like, Hey, look at that stupid thing, you know? <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know, man. I didn't, maybe it was, uh, maybe it's just uh, the, 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 the culture at large had reached that critical mass. So, I mean, for me, I, I, when I saw the, um, the Spoonie Twitter meltdown, him getting fired and everything. That was the first time where it was, there was something going on, but there was information that was being like kept behind the scenes. And I just, it was mm -hmm. just so shocking at the time. It was just like, why, why is he being let go? And um, I mean, obviously what he tweeted was the most bizarre thing I've seen, but I just, that was the first time I had seen anything like that on, um, that guy with the glasses because I, I didn't really get engaged with like the forums or anything i was just watching right movies. and when it came to drama i tended to stick my head in the ground a little bit like i didn't want to hear it because i didn't want to get involved but yeah. at the distinct impression that a lot if not all of the members have skeletons in their closet and again i i'm not trying to throw stones in a glass house i was essentially still like I didn't want the whole world to know about my sexuality, so I didn't want to, to parade it around. But I mean, geez, when you when you look at what was it, Jesso Otaku also came out as trans, oh, wow. yeah. And then so did um, uh, I'm I'm trying to be respectful of pronouns. Uh, we'll just say mockery, last name mockery. Mm -hmm. So when mockery came out, I was stunned because the mockery that I knew was was seemed to be the most talented and well put together and and you know and i'm not su suggesting that that mockery's not but i'm just you know i i was kind of shocked actually so and i wish the best for all of them like i said i want them to find happiness and success but i don't know what it is about the site that just seems to draw people to it that are of a certain mindset mm -hmm. 
and and definitely with uh, anyway <laughs> with, with uh jessu otaku i did not um she, she like her old stuff that i've seen she just comes across as like this uh typical really conservative girl so i was really surprised mm -hmm. yeah and i think maybe that i don't know i'm not a psychologist maybe it was overcompensation in some ways but, but yeah i caught wind of some you know conservative beliefs that she had mentioned before too and you know then this happens it's like whoa okay well good luck with your personal development i i, I like i said i wish you well i don't hold any malice to these folks but it's 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 shocking when it does come out so anyway <laughs> hopefully the chat's not uh freaking out or anything oh no the the chat's pretty chill right now Okay. Is there is there any uh any, is there anything else from that guy with the glasses that you wanted to uh talk about cuz I I just really wanted to to listen to your point of view. <laughs> well, I think what I see with a lot of the folks there is I see some good people that are are good people at the core of it. But they make some bad decisions at times. And I think a lot of it is, for me, walking away from it and kind of going, you know what, I'm not happy doing this. And I, I, this isn't what I need to do to, to go to the next step of my life. I think that was absolutely the best decision I could have made. Mm -hmm. So when I broke up with Linkara, I got my own place. I tried, you know, going back to school, trying to, you know, I got a real job after a while and I, I started going through the motions and eventually I started more thinking like an adult. Watching back on Suburban Nights, for example, it's you see people that are their young 20s and it kind of reminds me of, of like 14 year olds or 15 year olds who want to make a movie, right? You know? Yeah. It's 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 kind of odd right you, you when you when you're looking at it from a different perspective and you're not in it right you're not participating in it because you you don't get that same self perspective that you would get looking out you sort of realize like holy cow what are you know kind of like the uh, like a peter pan syndrome like i don't want to grow up you know and and when i when i visited linkara's shoot the few times that i was out in that area you know i i spoke with uh obscure lupa who's a really sweet person. Um, I, and I spoke with uh, Angry Joe and a number of those folks, but it was sort of like coming back to a, like a high school reunion and mm -hmm. seeing people that just sort of didn't move on quite so much. And so I found it a little disheartening. A fun little stupid hobby to sort of start on. And I know that in, in their heyday, some of them were making good money on it, but there comes a point in time though, where it's like, you know, when you're a child, you think as a child and spoke as a child, but when you become an adult, you have to put away childish things a little bit. And I didn't see that so much. So, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's complicated. I, I, I hope they find what they're looking for, but I, for me personally, I don't think it's healthy to live in a, in a sound chamber or an echo chamber, you know, because everybody, on the sites or whatever was were always telling you good good things the praise was just coming at you from left and right and i would run into people on conventions that would go oh my god you're iron liz oh i'm still sorry you know ah, i'm so starstruck and whatever and it you, you grow to like that after a while you think it's more about you know well what i'm saying must be true because people are telling 
amazing. But in reality, you're just living in this bubble where nobody says, you know what? You are acting like a jerk. You are acting like, you know, a hypocrite. You, you, you actually can't take criticism. You do have a, you know, a paper thin skin and you're, you're, you've got a spine of a jellyfish, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I started to respect a lot of the trolls a lot more is because they're <laughs> calling it for what it is, to be honest, right? Yeah. Let's, so maybe not in the terms you want to hear it, but in the end, there's two types of criticism, right? There's the criticism that's not true, right? That, that oh, you're, you're stupid or whatever, blah, 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 or completely irrelevant and you don't care and it might, you might find it annoying. But the other kind of criticism is the criticism that, that's right. And the, that kind of criticism, you know, in the back of your head, they're telling you the truth. And that's the stuff that hurts. And that's the kind of stuff that really stings hard. And I think a lot of folks isolate themselves because they don't want to look at themselves in the mirror and say, you know, like, I'm an, I'm an asshole or I'm a, you know, I'm this scummy person. And uh, from my, my moment of epiphany sort of hit me when I was working on uh, the... Um, I, I had the last video I really did when I was reviewing the tabletop role playing game stuff was uh, I, I alluded that I would do a red dwarf in a, a, a tabletop RPG. So we're talking about this really niche game that maybe in total only a thousand people have played. And I played it at a convention, had a bad experience with it, and it was just stupid and irreverent. And so I remember going through the footage of this stuff and going, oh, look look at how bad this is and aren't I smart and witty and whatever. And it just sort of dawned on me like, holy crap, this is what I'm doing with my life. This is the sum of all the effort that all my teachers, all my, you know, my parents and schools and, and clubs and, and the, 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 this is the sum of all of that energy. And I'm, I'm, I'm writing an irreverent review over a product that nobody played. Well, congratulations. You're totally not wasting your life. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. And so it's like, oh my God. And you know, you're 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 your own self, you know, your own worst enemy. And so that's where it sort of dawned on me, like, dude, I, I can't keep doing this. So that's where I had to move away from it and say, I I don't know what the future's gonna look like. I mean, if I had put more effort into it, I could have maybe become more popular or successful doing internet reviews but like i said it just it wasn't healthy for you and i wasn't happy doing it and i i had to make that change so but i've just been babbling away <laughs> uh i have a couple of questions from uh your time when you were on suburban nights did you sure uh, did you uh ever talk to spoony or um Somebody's asking if he's actually if his persona was the same like off screen as it is on. Uh, I think he dials it up more when he's on screen, but um, at least back then he was a little bit more chill. Um, so I recall the first night we got there, it was really really rainy, and um, there was a bar maybe half a mile down the road, and so Linkar doesn't drink, but I had spent eight hours driving, and I wanted to you know grab something and unwind a little. And so listening to Spoonie, he had broken up with Scarlet at that time. And he just listening to him talk to Brad and angry Joe a little bit. He was kind of more that ratcheted up a little bit more version of himself. But uh, at least at that point, he wasn't quite so bad. I remember going to conventions with him from the um, to Magfest when he was when he and Scarlett were still together, and he seemed much, 
character or whatever. He seemed a little bit, you know, more you know, like, hey, grown up, cool. OK, yeah, do my own thing. But uh, yeah, like on the shoot, when he was playing those characters, especially that like his scene where he's, um, you know, he, he, he hands the staff to me. I'm the cloak on the right and he right. hands me the staff and I just remember taking it. That whole thing was him just going for it. I mean, and I think since then he's just only gotten more and more into it. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I remember that, that visit because I had a, was it a white Russian? The, the one that the drink that the dude has. Um, and yeah, um, that's the, yeah, it's white Russian. White Russian, yeah. So I ordered a White Russian, and uh, and I think Pa was drinking one too. And and Spoonie's like, "Holy crap, Liz! Did you just order a White Russian?" I'm like, "Yeah." It's like, <laughs> okay. He kind of had a chuckle about that. See that I used to know who seemed a little bit more, you know, down to earth and and funny. But uh, I mean, if you watch his live wire stuff, he seems really bitter, which is a shame. Oh, he does. Yeah, he. Um... I I really don't understand why he became like that because out of everyone from that guy he was doing the best out of almost everyone his patreon used to have $5000 a, a month to do whatever his spoonie experiment was so I really just don't know what happened to the guy Yeah I know that the the breakup with him and Scarlet hit him really hard and I know he had mental health issues and I don't know what those specifically were but um you know, part of part of dealing with being unhappy is getting up in the morning, taking a shower, getting dressed, going out, doing stuff, and just saying, you know what, I got to keep going. I got to live my life. And I think if actually producing videos and whatnot with Lankara, we had such a bizarre, especially when we were doing it full time, we had such a bizarre time schedule where we would go grocery shopping sometimes at like 3 30 in the morning and nobody's there so we would it's, it's really easy to get become a hermit you know and become sort of yeah. isolated and i think maybe that didn't make things easier so i mean yeah can't really speculate because i wasn't there but it does seem really noticeable that he he really kind of broke down a little bit and it's it's such a terrible shame because i think he especially when he was do when he got the mashable award he was on cloud nine and he was he was producing some really funny stuff like the ripper and the the um phantasmagoria stuff i thought was great i mean i'm sure if i revisited it now it might not be so funny but you know just because i've grown up a little bit but like some of those you know, like some of the lines he had were really clever and it was quick it was snappy and and it it was funny and it was well timed and and now like i think I, the last one i ever watched was like a february one and he just seemed much you know much more slower and it was sort of push like going through the motions a little bit so maybe he just lost his passion for it and just couldn't get away from it so you know if you're making five thousand dollars a month off of it well that you're kind of pot committed at that point so <laughs> yeah that's the thing i didn't that's the thing that i I don't I can't get my head around is um like especially with Linkaro because he's probably one of the most hard working who does something every single week how you can maintain mm -hmm. that like he it's, it's like where what's the long term picture what's like the end goal with this I know right doing and I've... another internet review next week I mean is that what you want to be doing when you're 40 and thank you that is exactly what I asked Linkaro once and I'm like you got to you got to realize there's a sh 
know, you only get maybe five years before your content, you, you, you start slipping away. And I'm like, are you going to retire doing this? Are you going to like, what's the, what's the game plan here? And, you know, Lewis told me specifically that he wanted to keep going as far, as long as he possibly could. And, and when I kind of pushed, pushed on it a little, he said like, well, I wouldn't mind becoming a, you know, a comic book author or stuff like that for working for Marvel or, uh, for DC or something like that. And along those lines, it's like, okay, that's, that's fine. But you know, those industries are dying. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, if you've been doing this stuff for what, 10 years or however long it's been, I mean, that's a pretty significant gap on your resume. If, if you're not, see, I saw so much lost potential with that guy with the glasses, because when, if you were to compare them against um, red letter media, for example, red letter media, started off with the Mr. Plunkett review, if you know, it's this, this, this character-based review, the same way that it was on a lot of character and a lot of energy behind that. Yeah. And, but the difference was Red Letter Media moved on. They, they started making half-in-the-bag reviews. They started making movies. They got an actual set to film off that wasn't just butcher paper, you know, Mm -hmm. taped onto a wall you know they they made their own props they they got they invested in their camera work they they went above and like they did uh, the wheel of the worst stuff they had all of this extra content that they they sort of became much more of like a film company and as a result if you look at the patreons that red letter media gets i i don't remember the exact number but it's somewhere in the neighborhood of like 50 grand a month oh shit so it's <laughs> it's you know, they make and it's like more power to them because they, they're as a result, they're able to make movies like Space Cop and Free mm -hmm. Feeding Frenzy and all these other things and that YouTube cre creation. And I think that's where it differed with that guy with the glasses because they got stuck. They didn't really t seize control or, or, or seize the opportunities that they had there. And as a result, they're just sort of slowly deflating. And uh, like it. At what point in time is the nostalgia critic? Where, when are you going to run out of content here? Because what nostalgic movie hasn't been I was, complained I was, about um, in, on the internet these days? I was surprised when he did The Matrix, because I'm like, this is nostalgic. Now. Really? <laughs> yeah. This is, this that was is... 1999 when that yeah. movie came out. I mean, I, that was... if, if, if I was... Um, God, 1999. Oh, it was maybe 11 or something. That's not that. That's not that nostalgic for me. No, that that was oh no! I went to the movie theater then, and and it was a big deal in in when the critic did his uh his I forget hundred he he made a thing about reviewing uh, Battlefield Earth, and right. he's like I don't normally do this because you know it's not nostalgic and it's from the year two thousand, but you know I'm gonna do it anyway because it it's it sh it should be reviewed. And so, you know, eventually it's, you know, you're going to run out of stuff, dude. And ah, yeah, it did. It, it, yeah, <laughs> we're on the same page here. I've often wondered what these, you know, what, what it's going to look like, where it's, you know, if you've reached the point in your life where every year you're going to get weaker, every year you're going to lose more viewership or more money or more, you know, resources to work onto this stuff, maybe you need to consider jumping industries and starting something else or, or moving on with something different oh yeah uh, if if people started a site like that guy with the glasses now it would not take off like internet internet reviewing in that style is pretty much 
it's just Dalton them who are doing that. Yeah, it's it's nobody cares anymore because they want stuff with like they want stuff that's actually a proper show where there's like characters and like not not just riffing on the uh, the movies. They want something more than that. Like well, right, and especially need to be better now. <laughs> You know, well, that's just it, too, where it's, you know, you look at uh, Suburban Nights and it, it looks like it was a product from, you know, 2008, 2009. And that was back in the YouTube days where, yeah, you could get a, a crappy digital potato camera or a phone camera and just, you know, dance around on the and people would watch that. But these days there's whole production shows. There's actual legitimate TV is on, on YouTube now where it's it's a lot less pirate radio and a lot more, well, there's a lot of content to choose from. I'm going to look at the stuff that's a little bit more polished than, you know, somebody trying to make their name out of their basements. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But it's sort of a, you know, it's from a different era. I do know that, um, I don't know about the other producers, but I do know Spoonie wanted to, leverage his stuff in order to get into uh journalism he wanted to get into games journalism with pc gamer back in like Mm -hmm. 2008 and that was i think he always wanted to go that route because he talked about wanting to get into pc gamer he talked about wanting to get into television and but he didn't have any connections because he's like a regular guy i just wonder right i just wonder like how common that is with that other that guy with the glasses producers if like if that was like the the mantra for them it's like okay maybe one day I'll be recognized because of this. Well, I think Lindsay at least had something along those lines. She had aspirations of, of filmmaking and, mm. you know, she went off to do shave. I forget what, what it was called. And, you know, say what you, she still produced a documentary. She still produced her own independent content with the idea that I want to move beyond that. And, I don't think it worked out. I haven't really looked into them very much, but uh, I think the attitude, especially with Nostalgia Critic, was is that when he decided, when they decided to kill off the Nostalgia Critic, it was like killing the Golden Goose, where it was yeah. like they realized, you know, holy crap, we didn't take into account the the money difference here. So <laughs> no, we gotta we gotta ride this out, and I don't think they put any contingency plans, and they didn't invest in what they had. So. Oh man, oh, it's, it's like it's like they had no. It's like all the money they make goes straight into like a new set that they barely use, or like this green screen thing that's in like one review that somehow looks worse than what they used to have. Right, and again, I'm not accusing anybody of malfeasance or a crime mm-hmm. or any of that. Money went um, with with the whole sh- uh, the game show thing. Oh wow. It's like, <laughs> They made a lot of promises with that. They promised, I think, 60 episodes or something ridiculous, and it was supposed to be... Okay, fine. If you're going to make a game show, be realistic, though. Don't promise what you can't really deliver on. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, too, is they were taking people, visitors, and those visitors had to pay for their own accommodations. And like, I think the the best thing they could win was like a $100 Amazon gift card or something ridiculous, where it's like... Why would you? It's. It, it didn't seem like they. They. It seemed like a scam in a way. I mean, ugh, I don't know. I'm just saying what I'm feeling. But from what I knew that at least back in the day, it was sort of the ownership of the endeavor was cut up between 
it was looking like now. And I think personally from posting stuff, it was always the assumption that, you know, Doug is the star, you know, he's the walkers are the ones who are in charge and everybody else is just sort of, well, you're second to that. Mm-hmm. So let me give you an example. Um, when I got on the site, um, Holly, the HR lady, um, was kind of going through the, the, the requirements to staying active and staying in good, you know, good faith or whatever it was. And, um, part of the requirements were that you had to post at least once to once a month or once every, I don't know, two weeks, let's say, I, I forget the time frame, but I've seen two weeks. I think that's probably what it was. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. I, I don't recall what it exactly was, but there was a posting ske- there was a posting limit, right? So there were seven slots available to put to upload content on. Set out as a month. And some of these you had to plan ahead or, or put, you know, put a reservation in so you could upload your content in enough time. And so I remember once very vividly, it was in December where Doug was releasing like two or three videos a day. And mm-hmm. so that those seven blocks were like reduced down to three or four or five or five or what it was. They were reduced. So everybody was scrambling and fighting and trying to get them. And then I'm like, hey, you know, I, I mentioned it to Holly. He's like, hey, can you you know, can we make, I don't want to lose good standing here by not producing in enough in, with every two weeks, but I'm kind of at the back of the line here. And she said, well, you know, Doug's the star and it's, it's with him and you know, this is his site. So, okay. So I, I know there was a point of contention um, a couple of years ago when they were upset on links for other producers so they're like, oh, it makes the, the, the site look bad or something like that. And it's, I, I remember Linkara telling me that, about this and he was really pissed off about it where it's like, yeah, they, they, they don't want Obscurus Lupas or, or Phalus's Patreon stuff on there. And I'm like, why though? <laughs> you know, and again, pure speculation, not, not saying there's a crime or anything else going on. But for me, just as an outsider looking at that, it's like, are you so concerned maybe that there would be donating to those people's PayPal and not yours or, or their Patreon and not that, yours? That's, or that's what so... I uh, speculated because um, right. when, when I heard it, uh, when I'd heard about it, uh, I think Lord Cam might have talked about this, but I heard about it a bunch of other places where apparently they were only allowed to upload one Patreon video and it, was a bit, it, it seemed a bit sketchy and it's like, these guys can't continue to post on the site if they can't, especially people who are trying to do it full time. So I don't know what other Mm -hmm. reason they could have. Right. Right. And it's, and I think it was, you know, they didn't pay the, the producers, right? So all of those shoots and all that stuff was unpaid and you, you, Oh, you're paid in exposure. So the idea was if you go onto this site, more people will be able to see your name Therefore, more people will watch you. You'll get more ad revenue. And when Patreon came on, they'll maybe donate to Patreon. Mm-hmm. But it's it just seemed really like aggressively, you know, w- no, everything belongs to us. Everything is us and it's mine. And so that was be- that was beyond, though, when I when I was still there. But yeah, I remember with all the content creators they had at that point, it was really hard to get a slot just to to upload something to the site. So, and then it's like, oh well, Liz, you haven't 
two weeks and I'm like, well, I can't. So it's, it's interesting to hear that it, um, I had wondered if it like became that way, if it was always, but like, if gosh, it was... I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I was late into the game and I didn't stay for very long when I was on the site and, yeah. um, but if I had to guess, I would think that when it started, they wanted to get more people coming to them. Mm -hmm. So it was much more, well, these people will bring their fans with them and then they'll stick around and look at other content. But I don't yeah. know if it necessarily panned out that way. I think people, when they were posted there on that guy with the glasses, they were much more willing to just go there for that content. They weren't necessarily willing to sort of stick around and look at what else is there. And this is... So, this is the uh, the thing with with blip going down is that there's so much less reason to go to the site because it's like, are you going to build yep. your brand off that guy with the glasses, or are you just going to try and be like, is this a conflict of interest already if you're trying to build an up up a name on YouTube? Because it's like, where are you going to rely on, like, where you're associated with? Because you won't be on that guy with the glasses forever. Right, and I think. Um... I think it was a better way to monetize it, to be honest, because on mm. the on if you think about it, if you have a website, you can only sell ad space on that website. But if you have, like, I don't know, 20 producers and you get, I don't know, let's say a million views, well, every single one of those views can generate a, a piece of ad revenue. Mm. So, I mean, you'll get, especially if you work more closely with the people posting, you know, that, that have their... That, that negotiate with the ad revenue folks, you can get a bigger slice of that pie. That's kind of what I'm thinking is that they, they, it was much more financially viable for them to sort of go with that direction. But blip, uh, blip. Yep. That. Sorry. Is, it, my is my voice coming through? Okay. Because every once in a while it'll say voice connected and it'll go down to a red bar for like a, uh, it, a second. it cuts out for like two seconds. Um, sometimes, but oh, most okay. of the time it's there. I, 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 no, I apologize <laughs> for that stream. I mean, it's, it, my, my it might be my computer. I, I I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, it's pretty much inevitable doing this thing overseas on, on discord. Something's going to happen, but it's like 95% <laughs> there. That's good. Yeah. Enough. So if there's, sorry about that, folks, but anyway. Is there, uh, is there more kind of questions that they've got or anything else you want to oh, go with? A, I'll just take a quick look at uh, chat. A lot of stuff that's coming up in chat is just like what we ended up talking about anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I think, think uh, is there anything else you wanted to say about like your time with that guy with the glasses or anything like that? I look back on it and I probably already mentioned this, but I look back on it as a, a part in my life where it's like, God, I it's like looking at your yourself in middle school where it's like, oh, my God, that's cringy. And um, I just I, I'm glad I moved on. It was the best thing I could have done. So, and more, I, I hope they find, they all find what they're looking for, but I got to think that not challenging yourself and staying in an echo chamber is not the best way to do it. <laughs> so. Somebody asked, uh, have, did you see the Atop the Four Fall movie? That's uh, Link. Um, I've seen a little bit of it. Uh, so it is on YouTube and you can watch it, but um, I just don't have a motivation. <laughs> 
I like have... I sat through the first fifteen minutes. Yeah, it is. It, and... is, it is difficult to uh, to get through that one. Well, it's like I sat through the first 15 minutes and I'm like, okay, this part should get cut down a little bit. You know, he's talking to the government yeah. guy and it's just going th going on a little bit too long. They're like, okay, why is the camera shaking a little bit? And it's like, this is oh, going to bug me. <laughs> so I just, I watched the first 15 and just sort of stopped. Um, but more for me, it's watching it as I, that was my old apartment, right? And my, my thought was, holy crap, Lewis, clean up. You know, <laughs> like everything is so messy. Mm -hmm. Um but that's that's where I was thinking in that movie. But yeah, I know it turned into a vehicle of just sort of self-adulation, which, to be honest, like I, that's what all the movies do. You know, whether it's the AVGN, uh, AVGN movie or uh, you know, Tig would take stuff, where especially into boldly. Like Guardians of Morality and content, what we do is important, and that was the whole. Uh, sopa stuff when it was around oh yeah. um and it, and it was like it was so overbearingly preachy mm -hmm. um there came a point where i think it was luke oh guess sorry i don't mean to miss mockery um was speaking to one of the characters doing the whole jedi thing and um it was oh beware of the dark side of of filming or in money and in creation i'm like oh my god and i literally i was watching it with with lewis at his apartment and i'm like dude i gotta turn this off i gotta turn this off this is too much it's it's sort of like <laughs> here it, it felt it felt really preachy and it felt really uh sanctimonious and especially when they're when they're going through even before had with brad uh with can't afford to pay you because of piracy and it's just like oh come on you guys just stop it was really yeah it was too much the whole star wars analogy just you could see it what they were trying to pull off and i didn't think it was clever i didn't think it was poignant it was more frustrating yeah. and it was funny because because lewis told me like you know it's funny i showed this to some other friends of mine and you're like you're the one yeah i knew i thought it was not going well because you weren't laughing at anything <laughs> like yeah, I was trying to be a little polite here, but if you have a point, that's fine. But just don't. It yeah, it just sort of felt like the uh, like the aggressive. Like I remember when Brad Jones once, um, excuse me, Brad Jones reviewed uh, like a rock and roll "Is It Worth It" video or something like that, where it was like you know fundamentalist Christians saying, "Oh, rock and roll music is the spawn of Satan and whatever." stuff but then I, I looked into it and realized it was about devil worship and hell is not such a bad place to be it kind of felt like that you know where it's just this really over the top uh prestetalizing oh it yeah just, I, I i just couldn't nope couldn't do it <laughs> so oh so the, the thing that i think encapsulates that so much is um when demo reels were well, like when demo reel failed and then he had to bring back the critic that was that's just like the show must go on guys and he tried to frame it like the hero is coming back and it's everyone is everyone knew that it's just because there's just no money in it's demo reel well that the other thing too with uh to boldly flee was I, I i was not present for that shoot i was not there um but i can tell you definitively um, what Linkara talked to me 
And it was right around the same time that our mutual friend was having cancer complications. And so we just would see movies occasionally and hang out. But, um, you know, he was saying they, the thing is with these scripts, right? So these movie scripts, the walkers wrote all of it. So the plot lines with film brain kind of being this, you know, toadying, you know, I want, I want the nostalgia critic to like me stuff that was entirely fabricated by them. They wrote that those were the lines that they came up with. And then, you know, you just had to go with it. So when it came to the the return stuff, I think people started, the walkers had a different mindset of what they thought, or at least Doug did, of what was funny. So, so Lewis told me, again, pure hearsay, can't verify it, but he told me that on that shoot, I don't know if you've seen To Boldly Flee, for example, but they, I, have, I have seen it in parts. It's not a film okay. I can get through in one go. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know, right? But, okay, so there's this scene where Doug is in a Judge Dredd outfit. Yeah. And he's like, he's running around screaming and shooting and stuff. And from what Lewis told me, he said, like, you know, people on the shoot were saying, Doug, this isn't, this isn't funny. It's, it's just, it's going on too much. And I think he was trying to... One of the things that Doug Walker really was sort of channeling later on with the nostalgia critic was kind of like a Daffy Duck sort of thing where it's like ins- insufferably, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm loud and stupid and obnoxious and that's funny, right? And, and people were, at least on the shoot from what Lewis told me, is like, no, it's not funny. It's going on too long. And um, I think there was some... So, oh, oh, that's okay. I can't, and again, take this with a grain of salt... But there was a scene apparently where, because um, in the plot line of the movie, there people are being robots and is like wearing the Judge Dredd outfit. Um, and so I think he was going to like assimilate Lindsay, right? And so Lewis told me that when it came time for the, the shot to have Lindsay go into a room and then have... Um, uh, have him kind of follow her in there and then like make noises like it's like potentially implied rape um, <laughs> or to make kind of rape jokes or analogies on this. Again, I can't verify it. I'm only saying of what I heard and it's hearsay. But, you know, people had to say, say, dude, this is not something that maybe we should put in, in there that doesn't feel appropriate or funny. And I mean, in the final cut of the movie, too, it seems a little off. It's just a little kind of, oh, that's that's kind of, uh. So, but yeah, a lot of the, you, you just, you go with what the script was. And Film Brain, for example, if you think about all of these people, they're selling a brand, right? Mm. Their creations are a brand. They're a, They're an intellectual property. And so... It affects your intellectual property if you have, you know, your character kind of take, you know, the, the, the nostalgic critic taking the piss out of your character. Because if you go to, uh, for, for example, in Suburban Nights, Film Brain is played as like this, this simpering yutz, this, you know, whiny, like, uh, and he's kind of over, over the top excited and whatever. I don't, I haven't really watched Film Brain stuff, so I'm not a huge fan of it, but unless that was incorporated into your original content, I would be a little kind of irritated. It's like, no, I don't want to say this stuff because it's going to make me look bad. Um, I think uh, Film Brain got a, got a raw deal on a lot of stuff. 
crossover with Spoonie, they, the, the fans really didn't like it. So, but he's a nice guy. He's a good, he's a nice human being. I really like hanging around with Benzai. Benzai is a hoot. <laughs> Benzai is doing pretty well now. As when I tried looking mm-hmm. him up, he's he's doing French YouTube and he's he's actually yes. built up his own brand and he's he he's doing like out of everyone that's like Angry Joe Benzai, people like that mm-hmm. are, are just um, they've made their own brand, whereas so many other people haven't. Right, and I think with Benzai, it's like, oh, is he gay? No, he's just French. He's flamboyant. He's he's. He, he's over the top and enthusiastic. He's just, it's Benzai. It's, it's not like, so he, I, there was the whole, is he gay thing was like the, the video he did like, yo, my <laughs> name's Benzai. You know that I'm always kissing guys. Like that was a thing a fan made. That wasn't something he made. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess on the shoot with, with Benzai, it was all American food is garbage <laughs> and, or he was just, you know, finding ways to like, stand so that you know like he's he was dressed as conan the barbarian and so he was trying to like you know get his 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 skirt thing to flap up and like you know it's like benzai come on man but yeah he's a he's a hoot <laughs> as we say in minnesota oh he's a hoot and a half so the um was it that the like the feeling on set which is did the feeling on set get worse as the shooting went on or was it like a grand plan that it was consistent the whole time or what was that like? <laughs> oh God. So I think it started to get worse over time because one of the things that um, the walkers stated when they were in this kind of crunch time, do we continue filming uh, suburban nights or do we switch scripts to something? Their barometer tests was when they were filming at the second house where it's the, the, you know, the messy basement with the the computers on the walls, that was somebody else entirely. That was a friend that they knew. Well, Linkara, by that point in the day, it was probably past six o'clock and nobody had had anything to eat. Um, Linkara was hot and, and grouchy. And they remembered that when they were filming, um, the, the Kickassia one, he was like, oh yeah, let's keep going, let's keep going, let's keep going. And and he was, I think he snapped at them and so they realized, oh man, this is not good. But when the enthusiast, when everybody got together, it was like, oh yeah, this is great and let's let's stay up drinking a little bit and, and catch up. And But when time went on, it was, you know, I think people were just getting exhausted because you, out in the middle of the woods, for example, it was also cold. I think uh, that Sunday that we were the wood chip trail walking through that park with the cloak fight, mm-hmm. that was actually on Easter Sunday of that year. And um, so I, it's, I'm not particularly religious. I don't know if any others were, but it was sort of like, yeah, you're filming on Easter. Is that sort of idea where it's just, okay. Um, and during those days too, when they're first walking along that bike trail, that, that, the 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 trees are bare because it's cold out those mornings it was hovering around freezing so um if you'll look at uh uh, 8-bit mickey he's dressed as peter pan so he's got this this costume on he's wearing tights he's not wearing anything warm and so we were in the middle of this park and they had all the the stuff at the van and so when they were not when they when the witch showed up for example they were all kind of there and they were just like shivering and trying 
you know, if I were running that thing, I would have brought blankets. I would have had like a, you know, a craft table or whatever to, you know, for like a, the cheese and, and meat trays and, and whatever, just off back a little bit. So you could go back and get something to eat and warm up with, but there was nothing there. So, you know, it, doing that for 12 hours or 12 to, to 16 hours or however long it was is really grueling. And, um, you know, it depended on some days of where once everything was done, sometimes they would have a group dinner, but other times it was like, okay, you're on your own. So I know Lindsay in particular was getting really, you know, frustrated by, well, there wasn't really anywhere to go and you're, you're limited in transportation. So like I said, there was a Denny's next door. And so she was getting really frustrated of eating Denny's all the, all, all the time. It's like, I don't blame you. That stuff's not so great. Um, so I think is I think, I wasn't there for a I was tired and I went back to the hotel room and slept through it. Um, but it's, you know, it, it started off, everybody was kind of bouncy and, and having fun. And then after a while, it's like, okay, let's go through this. So there was definitely a diminishing return there. So. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not even sure what else to uh, to ask. Honestly, do you have um, <laughs> do you have do you have anything else in mind? Uh, I'm just trying to think of all the stuff. <laughs> so I actually remember talking about this, right? So um, there was a commentary somewhere, um, and I don't know where it is. Where I think it was myself and Holly that were commenting on the movie, um, and when it came to the the explaining who Malachite was, right? Mm -hmm. Like a, of a guy holding his hand up and he's holding a spear and he's got the long hand and I'm, or the long hair and I'm like, oh hey, I know that character. That's Hennet the Sorcerer from Dungeons and Dragons. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, that's like it's third edition Dungeons and Dragons. That's the like when you open up the third edition D and D book, right? They have sample characters. Well, that's Hennet the Sorcerer. Whoever they, whoever they did paid to draw that, it's almost like traced. It's pretty funny. It's like holy, crap. and I didn't realize it. Like I was just like, oh, I know what that is. It's, oh, maybe we shouldn't point too loud or, or say things too loudly, but it's it just looked really cheesy. It's like <laughs> like oh, you probably traced it. But the other thing too, um, just a few random other pieces. Uh, there's a scene in the opening. Um, bit and this kind of goes with Benzai. Um, he like he legs and says, Oh boy, a movie. Well, that's because he wasn't in that opening shot. Um, he was actually on in the living room to the side, just sort of drinking a, a cup of coffee or eating something and just sort of going through the script, figuring it out. And they realized they shot all that in that intro stuff and he wasn't present, so they're like, Oh my god, we have to reshoot it. And so that was a that was to fix an error. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I really could, I'd, I'd probably remember more stuff if I just watched it um, again th through it just to, to remember all the things that we did. So uh, I think one of the worst moments on that shoot was um, when they fight on the playground, right? Mm -hmm. So that field that they ran across, I think we had to take like seven or eight shots of it or it was i remember there being a lot of shots of it and by that point i was dressed up in the cloak outfits and that entire field was just covered in goose 
So like running across it in the bottom of your shoes were like this pea green slick. And so it's like, yeah, it was going up on the, at that point in the time, I was just like, okay, I don't want to do a fight scene. I feel gross. <laughs> so, and then for lunch that day, we had Popeye's. So it, it just felt really grody at the end of that day. So anyway. I mean, it, it, it just listening to the um, the commentary, uh, it was like, oh, my God, Iron Liz is a Republican. I'm like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> uh. No, I, I did vote for the Donald, um, but uh, I, I don't know if I would call myself a Republican. I mean, I could get into politics if you want to transition to a new topic, but... <laughs> oh, sure, why not? Uh I, I follow American politics. My mother's American, so I, I follow most of it. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I voted for the God Emperor, so... <laughs> um, yeah, no, I was um, I was pretty much set to vote for Gary Johnson, I think, um, until the Pulse Massacre happened. Mm -hmm. um, and that sort of changed a lot of things because I was out of the country at the time. I was, I, I was in uh, Curacao. I vacation there it's a caribbean island it's great um but they were showing this on tv and as it was developing i'm like there's no way they're gonna try to call this a gun control issue right this was this was the largest single most violent massacre you know domestic terrorism act to shooting in in american history like 50 people were killed and another i don't know however many were dozens more were injured and then the politicians go on and say, oh, we need gun control because if this didn't, it's like, are you serious? You're not even going to say no. The uh, Islamic terrorist, domestic terrorist. And it was just, yeah. it made me realize that it was about power. It wasn't about serving your constituencies or, or, or serving the people who voted for you. It was a, I think the reaction was, well, we need to, to, to spout the, the the gun control narrative so that we can try to ha number one have a moral high ground and number two try to get the muslim vote at the and, and it was like people getting killed pure politics you know it's uh, it's uh, it's kind of ironic because in england it's actually the uh it's the left-wing party now who are calling for more like um police officers to deal with the increased terror attacks because there's not enough funding yep. into that and it's just a complete reversal of like all of the cliches that oh it would be the right the right will be the one repre repressing uh, mm -hmm. the Muslim community and Labour might actually win on them because they are talking about being you know tougher on crime and that kind of thing putting funding into it which I just think it's funny how things have shifted like that. I know, right? I mean, like Hillary Clinton was saying, oh, we need to we need to put up a no fly zone in Syria and Russia. Basically, like the, the, there's a I forget which general it was. And you can hear the politician like visibly gulp when he says it, where it's like, if you were to put up a no fly zone in Syria, it would mean war with Russia. Russia was was invited into Syria. And now you're you're, you're trying to do the same thing you did in Libya. And you're trying to, to just drum up this this bizarre jingoism to go fight Russia, and I'm just like, I'm of the opinion that if we if Hillary Clinton had won, they would have used this whole Russia narrative to try to create some kind of armed conflict with Russia. Um, I was I was a little bit <laughs> afraid at the time, like 
this is something that should not be happening at this point in history. No, no, not at all. And it's like when Russia starts saying, okay, we're going to start running, you know, military drills for the population. We're going to have, I think it was Vladivostok or some, one of these uh, cities stockpiling bread for every citizen and recalling everybody who's living internationally back to Russia. And they activated the dead hand switch for Christ's sake. That's the, if we get nuked, and there's no response saying, no, don't launch, don't launch, don't launch. The system will automatically respond and, and launch missiles. It's yeah. like when they activate that, that means they're not screwing around. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I can't believe that we've come to this day and age. And combined with all of the uh, SJW stuff that seemed to infect the uh, the Clinton campaign and these scandals after scandals where it's, you know, the, the DNC... Uh, Rigging the system, Debbie Wasserman Schultz stepping down, and and I don't see how you could possibly back such a corrupt organization and a candidate like Hillary Clinton, who has, you know, the the skeletons in her closets have skeletons in their mm-hmm. closets. So I, I I don't consider myself a Republican. I'm more of a libertarian, and I'm more mm. considered, you know. I have to look out for my own best interests because when I, when I got went away from that guy with the glasses, there was a brief moment where I, I okay, so don't ask, don't tell was um, was repealed in 2011, and so I actually went to a recruiter saying I want to join up, and that's when they figured out, oh wait, no, sorry, trans people still can't go in, and so it's like, oh crap, so what else could I do? I want to become a lieutenant. That's what I want to do, and so I was like, well, I could become a cop. You know, police still get that lieutenancy. Um, but what you learn in the police, you know, I, I'm a certification to have the credentials of a police officer. Mm-hmm. And um, what they teach you, though, is that the police are reactive. They can't, st- they're not, police respond to crime. They don't prevent crime. So mm-hmm. if somebody was to break into your house right now, you could call the police but the police are not going to prevent it. You know, they're, if mm-hmm. they can get there in time, they might be able to stop it. But really, they're reactive. They're going to take your name. They're going to take what happened. They're going to put that person into the dragnet, and that's it. Yeah. You know, so if, if push comes to shove, I have to be responsible for my own safety. I have to be responsible for my own financial well-being. I've got to take care of my own my own self. And that's kind of where especially with the black matter the black lives matter and the they sh- so where i live they shut down the highways they they they've rioted for it downtown all of this really dangerous stuff mm. if this turned into an la riots sort of situation what would i do you know so i i'm i'm not saying it will i'm just saying that you know i i can't bury my head in the sand and pretend it doesn't exist, especially when it's shown that the official response to essentially a domestic terror attack and a demographic that I belong to was no response. Nope, we're not going to call it for what it is. We're going to try to say, oh, no, you shouldn't be allowed to have a gun or you shouldn't be allowed to defend yourself. Nope, can't do it. I can't in good faith vote for an organization or a political party that does that. And And it's bizarre to me. Sorry, I'm on a rant. (laughs) <laughs> it's bizarre to me that I hear so towards Republicans under uh, Donald Trump because he's about, he's kind of the old school populist side of things where I would think at least upon the information that I read, the books that I read about Ricky Wilchins and 
or Diane Wrights, like these, or Kate Bornstein, these these trannies that were Generation Xers who are always about, look, I just want to be left alone. I want to go to work. I don't want to get stabbed. I don't want to get discriminated against. Just leave me alone. Like that was always the thing that I was wanting to follow on. But it seems now that the, that that attitude has worked toward it's shifted to become much more of a, well, you should just do what we want you to do. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like it when the, I didn't like it when the, the, the neocons and the, the, the cultural stuff in the eighties and nineties where they're like, Oh yeah, video games are terrible and rock music is terrible and dungeons and dragons are terrible. And those are all things I like. I didn't like it when the right said, no, you're not allowed to like the things you're like. And I don't, I don't like it when the when the left does it either. I don't like being told what to do. It's my life. I will choose to do what I want to as long as I'm not hurting anybody else. So I thought based upon the candidates of this election, I thought Donald Trump, especially with his not going to war with Russia, that it was I couldn't in good faith go back to the Democratic Party. And ever since then, it's. I don't trust them with power anymore. <laughs> the DNC, so. is, as far as I've seen it, have have completely uh, their message is just so broken. Like the mm-hmm. ages ago, the last like clip I saw was some white woman standing up and saying she was saying something like, "Oh, I can't speak, I can't speak for you." Uh, mm-hmm. She was making it all about it's my... like, oh, it's just like uh, making everything about race, and not actually talking about any yep. issue. And it's just it, like, it's my it's, job to yeah. shut people who are That's white exact, to yes. stop them from That's talking. I'm like, are you about. insane? Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine if the shoe was on the other foot? Can you yeah. imagine if she went up there and said, it's my job to make it so that black people can't speak? Can you? <laughs> she would lose her job. Betrayal and lawsuits that would come out of that. Mm-hmm. And now it's somehow okay to do it. It's like, this reminds me a lot of what the Khmer Rouge did. Or what the uh, the Soviets did uh, the, the, against the the Kulak farmers, you know. I can't believe that it's gotten this way, mm-hmm. and I, I used to I voted for Barack Obama twice. I voted for every leftist DFL politician, um, you know, like uh, Mark Dayton, our governor, or um, uh, the guy who played Stuart Smalley on SNL, uh, Al Franken. I read Al Franken's book, Lying Liars and the Liars Who Tell Them, in high school. I, I, I loved it. I voted for Wellstone, who is more progressive, old school progressive. But, you know, I was so wanting to support them. And then they just went off the deep end. And then when they were saying, no, we have to, oh, no, we have to stop. We need a recount. Oh, well, there's nothing to recount. So that the that he doesn't get the electoral votes, we have to pressure the electoral vote, college voters. Well, you do realize that some of those, if they were to do that, would be a felony to them, and they would end up in jail. Doesn't matter. Oh well, we need to protest. What protest a, a, a duly elected president of the United States? Well, he didn't win the popular vote. Doesn't matter. That's not how the elections work in the states. Huh. It's based off the electoral college. I didn't like it when W got in the second time or the first time. I thought it was wrong. But I would have thought that if they actually were the Democrats were serious about addressing any of that stuff, they would have done it when they had all three uh, parts of the government in 2008. So it's like it's become so blatantly obvious to me that it's about power. It's not about attend. It's not about helping people or addressing issues. It's about getting votes to keep you there in power. Mm-hmm. And I know that the, the 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 Republican Party is certainly that way as well. But considering that Donald 
and everybody everywhere hates him, maybe that's worth something. If the whole establishment thinks he's a threat to, that he might actually change things, maybe we should pay attention to that. So step down from my soapbox. Talking of uh, politics, I recently um, found out that Anita Sarkeesian is still alive, which and still alive and, <laughs> and still uh, causing controversy. I saw the whole VidCon yep. thing and I was just like, oh, good. Five years of this again. <laughs> okay to be this is gonna sound really petty but my first thought when i saw her was like anita you, you've gained weight you've gained a little weight there like yeah like the thing is is um i so okay if i might go grandstand for a minute um about a year and maybe a quarter ago so maybe i don't know let's just say 18 months 18 months ago i was shit I have a fat head. My head is fat. Jesus Christ, what happened? So when I was with uh, Linkara, for example, the heaviest I got was about 210 pounds, and I'm about 5 foot 11. So I'm a little tall, overweight. Now I'm down to about 150, 145, give or take. I basically just started running, and it's the greatest thing ever. I lost all this weight. And again, I look back at my old self but it's like i'm just sort of amazed by how many people gain so much weight i mean angry joe for one and i'm not trying to shame him on this fat shame him or whatever but it's like dude you you gain a lot of weight linkara gained a lot of weight linkara so is, uh, is linkara is a lot bigger than he used to be yes he is and uh same thing with uh the our so yeah it's I, that's immediately what i thought of is like oh god anita you, you gained some weight but I think it's become so much more apparent now with the uh, the cry bullying. It's like, oh, I don't feel safe. Oh, give me a break. Are you an adult or are you, you know, are you a child? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody sitting in a room not doing anything. He's not holding a sign. He's not wearing like a, a military uniform and making a Nazi salute, just standing there silently. He's, he did nothing. He didn't do anything to you. You you pointed him out. You created this problem, Anita. Man, I, I it would have been so much. It would have been so much better if she had just said, "Well, you know, I'm here to address any critics in the audience, and I I want to be as open about this stuff because I feel convicted. You know, such conviction about it. But it's so evident that ah, she can't she can't handle it. So. Anyway, I cut you off. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's. That's we we were we were still on the whole Anita thing. I was just, it's like the pattern is repeating again. I actually mm -hmm. went back and um, what I I just ignored her for like a year maybe, and I went back and watched one of her old videos recently. And it's like, you need John, you need Jonathan McIntosh to script this for you. I mean, they've the quality's gone down from what they were. <laughs> Not that they were ever that good. Yeah, and see, the thing is, is that it, it's it's sophistry at this point, where it's like, if prior to Gamergate, I think they had more credibility, and they lost a lot of it in credibility, and this whole, it's so puritanical now, where it's like, oh, these are proportions I don't like, and this is an image I don't like, therefore, it's it's harmful. Mm-hmm. It's 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 so transparent. Where I think I saw a video on a sidebar on my sidebar done by. Uh, I don't think it's Computing USA or the 
forget his name. Um, but yeah, he was I'm saying like all these women are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a. He's saying all these women are getting involved in the skeptic community now, or it's like, yeah, it's because this this hysterical feminism isn't palatable. Um, they lost the cultural argument, and it, the best way to, to sort of win that argument is to actually debate it and to stand strong to your principles. And it's mm -hmm. literally you cannot you cannot handle somebody in a paid you know environment where you're you're with a board of people that have your back and an at a con that has your back with a security person that has your back you still can't handle it mm -hmm. and i think that's you know people look at that and go no way this is enough i can't i can't even buy into this anymore is this you think this might be the straw that broke the camel's back it might be i don't know yeah. i i I don't know how they can swing this with all the this too in the election. The video's but out. We'll it's, see. It's it's going to be, it's going to be difficult. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jonathan McIntosh, yeah, he he was kind of the the puppet master a little where a little while there, but <laughs> I don't want to call him a cuck. I'm not going to do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's that's the only thing. I I, I just. That's the only thing I can think of when I see that guy's face. Anyway. Well, it's funny because uh, the, uh, the the PC principal and those guys, if you look at the images that they're based off of, he was one of the characters that they modeled on the, you know, the, are you PC, bro? You know, like. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're getting out of this, dude. It's, uh, okay. Well, I wish you the best. Good luck to you, buddy, but. Oh, gross. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> oh, I think we've 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 covered politics. Um, you were talking about. Uh, you mentioned to me earlier how you were playing like the new Mountain Blade game or something. <laughs> well, it's not new. It's um. So I'm a huge fan of like the uh, Sid Meier's Pirates game, right? So that game came out on uh, like Sega Masters way back in the day, mm -hmm. and. Uh, they remade it in 2005, and I played the shit out of that game. And um, Mountain Blade is very, very similar to that. So it's more of like a medieval... Um, it's trying to be a little bit more simulationist. I think it came out in like 2008, so it's pretty old. But um, it's very much in that line of, you know, kind of creating a group of people that follow you around, and you're like a pirate and doing all this sorts of stuff. So it's very... Like, I couldn't get enough of it, so I couldn't put it down. I know there an updated version or a mountain blade 2 sometime soon but my my computer probably can't handle it so i'll be playing this one for a while <laughs> um but yeah as far as games go i'm more interested in uh the strategy and simulationist stuff so um i was way into crusader kings 2 um europa universalis 4 was also a favorite um the the paradox systems were great so that's cool. I I used to play uh, like real um, RTS games like years ago. I used to play stuff like Age of Mythology and stuff like that. But I never got into like the more simulation ones. I didn't have the patience for that. <laughs> One of the well, again, to sort of digress and tie it in, there's a game out there called Victoria Two. Right now, Victoria, uh, yeah, Vicky Two is great because it combines like it's essentially the 
dust starts uh, with the crowning of Queen Victoria. Mm-hmm. And through it, you see, okay, well, this is the colonization stuff. This is the political stuff that was going on. This was the women's rights stuff. This is empire building. These are, And it's it takes every major political nation, faction, or whatever that existed for that era, and you can play as them. So you can play as China, or you can play as... Uh, um, or Japan kind of starting out, or, or uh, Sardinia, um, Piedmont, mm-hmm. and uh, things like uh, Re- uh, Rinaldi's red shirts will come up and they'll unify Italy. And it's, I found that incredibly educational as well as really fun because it made me realize the danger, I guess, of authoritarian politics. Because like um, every sort of political, there are political parties, which are actual historical political parties to the the nations themselves, but whenever communists take over, they make it some party system. Everybody's a communist. Uh, you can have social advancements. So like Europeans will start off having no slavery. Um, and then the, in the United States, you can sl- like abolishing slavery is a thing, but under communist, there's only two like mindsets where slavery can return. And that's if you're a reactionary or if you're, a communist, which is also true. You uh, you look at things like the Khmer Rouge and what they did. It was essentially slavery. Um, and I would argue that uh, North Korea is a slave state as well. So, you know, it's stuff like that where it, it's it's nice when when it bleeds over to, to reality a little bit, which is why I, I'm way into history. So, yeah, Europe, uh, EU4, Europa Universalis 4 is also like that. So... Starcraft is fun and whatnot, but uh, it, it it feels a little bit more uh, more satisfying when you can uh, restore the um, you know Italy back to its its old state and do all that stuff. So I don't know. I mean, I'm a geek like that. But. Oh man, my my choice in games was a bit more childish. I was playing Persona Five recently. <laughs> uh, I couldn't. I used to play. That was Atlas who made those, right? Yeah. Yeah. No. I back when it in the PlayStation era, there were a couple Atlas games I played on the PlayStation, the original PlayStation, that were really not very good. It was like Tail Concerto and um, God Rhapsody or something like that. Oh and yeah, it, yeah. They were just they were just not very good games, and so I I, I remember. Uh, thinking oh atlas games they're not that good so i haven't even looked at it but i know persona 5 got a lot of buzz when it came out yeah a lot of a lot of jrpgs are really not that good they just have really really rabid fan bases so it's it's (laughs) like the ones that are good are, are pretty rare yeah I, I will say that when it came to final fantasy i really respected spoonie's retrospectives because yeah i Final Fantasy VIII was released um, on September 9th, 1999. Yeah. And I, I remember it was like 9999. Oh my God. So I, I, I played Final Fantasy VII and really liked it. And we were all so pumped to get Final Fantasy VIII coming out. We were all like, oh my God, this is going to be great. This would be great. This would be great. And we finally got it. And it was kind of that, oh, this is still good, I guess. And and ever since then, it sort of went downhill. Like Final Fantasy IX, I, I liked that game. It, it was simplistic, but everybody hated the the art style. And then X came out, and that was the death nail for me. It's like, I can't... I, I can't deal with Meg Ryan. It's just... I can't stand him. So... <laughs> 
there's a lot there. I just I don't have the time. <laughs> I I only played a bit of Final Fantasy VIII recently, and I had no idea what I was doing. Well, yeah, that's just it, too, where it's like you go from Final Fantasy VII and it's straightforward. You have an attack command or you can cast a spell or whatever. This whole fucking junctioning thing, like, I remember just being so completely lost. Like, what do I do? You have to you have to junction your spells to your weapons, and if you use that magic, it gets worse, and, and go fight uh, Ifrit, and it's like, what, what is this? What? How do you conceptualize this? Uh, so, yeah. I was one of those kids, too, that tried to do the draw stuff. I didn't realize you could refine it. So I remember with that game, it was just draw magic, draw magic, draw magic, draw magic for... And that even... I will grind any game until it's dead. But with that one, as even as a kid, I'm like, I can't sit through... Yeah. ...through this. <laughs> well, Spoonie was... Anyway. Spoonie was definitely right about that. Well, yeah, and it's... He was right where it's like, yeah, you can refine them. But I remember with that game specifically, when I was a kid, I would buy the game itself. I wouldn't buy the strategy guides because my parents were like, no, we're not going to not going to do that. So my friend Matt had the game and he had the he had the strategy guide and he knew what was what was going on more with it and how to do it. And I just remember us playing the same amount of time and I was so far behind him. And I'm like, I forget this. This is just it's not that good. And then the whole spaceship thing was it, it it feels like there was a different cut of game going on because it feels like if you had made an, a whole game about monsters on the moon, right? They're the, they come down as like this giant horde and they pop like a zit and then they infest the earth below. That's like some like that's that's like silver thread stuff. Oh yeah, no, you could make a game out of that and they don't do anything with it. <laughs> it's like what is who's writing this like just uh, doesn't make sense yeah no sir i don't like it <laughs> well i i am uh i'm out of topics is there any anything you want to say to to kind of uh, close off or uh, I think we went through most of it. I, I, I would say that like I'm really looking forward to seeing what Jim's next reviews are going to be. And I'm really looking forward to um, like I liked your Prima stuff. Mm. I, it sucks that they keep trying to shut you down. Oh, but that, again, that I, I like the once. But uh, I think what actually happened with my flagging is I think people might have confused me with Jim when I put up, because I, I put up a video which was advertising like a, a, a Patreon for Spoonie, where it's like they would run, they would run like these joke ads on his site, and um, <laughs> God, I, I put up funny. a video where I endorsed that Patreon because uh, yeah. it, it, it's just too funny, and uh, that got flagged, but it went up, I think around the time Mr. Medical's video went up and, I don't know I it looks like they may have conflated me with, with what he did, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah, but I gotta say, mm, that is that is top tier trolling. Oh my god, is that top tier trolling? You know, you know what's funny is that he can never run ads on his own site ever again. <laughs> oh my god! Like the guy who had it, what he's done is he says, what he's done is he said, um, we'll, we'll stop like taking payments because the ads aren't running because Spoonie's taking them down. But if he ever mm -hmm. tries to run ads again, they'll just he'll just put the joke ones up. So. 
That's I, literally I, the, the closest Spoonie has come to responding to anything I've been involved yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think is funny. I got to hand it to that guy. And again, this is what I used to not like trolling. And, and there were videos made of me that I didn't like. But at the same time, they're, it's a commentary, right? It's a mm-hmm. criticism on that he hasn't produced anything. Yeah. And so... People are mad at it, him. It's li- Right, and, and and it never would have happened if it if he had followed through on this stuff. And so, yeah, I could if I were in Spoonie's shoes, I'd be upset. But the also thing that maybe why it would sting so bad for being targeted like that is like it's true. It's it, and and it's just it's so brilliantly clever that I I thought it was amazing when I heard it. And yeah, I wouldn't like people to treat me that way. Mm-hmm. But I also think that you know you you are what you eat. You you. Your integrity is based on what you do. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sure I'm probably ta- we've probably chatted way too long, but it was a it was a pleasure chatting with you and kind of yeah, going was, on about what happened. So this was uh, really unexpected, but um, I had a lot of fun <laughs> doing this. So good. Yeah. No. Um, I'm kind of an open book on a lot of stuff too. I just I don't want my only concern is that the channel awesome folks try to come up like, Whoa, what are you doing? I don't want to cause drama or whatever, but you know, but I, that, that was what it was. So I have no idea what, what, um, by the time Mr. Medical gets to the end of the, his series, it's going to be, everything's just going to be so different. Like the chips are going to lie in different places. But mm-hmm. I could, yeah. I couldn't predict what's going to happen, which is half the fun, I think. Yeah, I couldn't either, and I, I don't know who he has lined up, so, I mean, I know Jesu Otaku or, or Jacob Otaku, they were kind of a, a smaller fan base, mm-hmm. big ones, but I don't know how long he's going to do it, so, you know. Who? Well, should we end it here? Is there anything else you want to say before we stop? Uh, I, um... Nope, <laughs> that's 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 everything I've got to say for right now. But if you ever want to do one of okay. these again, just hit me up and uh, we can do it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I, I was gonna th- say something stupid like uh, jet fuel can't melt sp- steel beams or whatever. Ah, f- fuck it, 